Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Let me pray for us as we dive into this story and hear what God has to offer for us. Jesus, we are so grateful that we get to be in your presence, that we get to be in your arms, that you invite us there, that you want us there. Reveal for us today, reveal for us today your grace and your mercy, how we can offer that to ourselves, that we can receive that for ourselves, and how we can offer that to others. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, one small thing to pay attention to is that in Genesis we heard the word Abram, but in Hebrews we heard the word Abraham. Same person, not a typo. Same person. Abram will eventually get a new name, Abraham, but he will go through a lot before that happens. We get to see here the very beginning of of Abraham's story. This is what Tiffany just read for us. And the beginning is, is marked with things that we really need to pay attention to. God is calling Abraham. And maybe, maybe you missed it, but it's here in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, uh, that he is, uh, verse 1, that he is calling him to go from his current country to a new one. That's kind of scary, right? How do we know that this is true? Well, God is the one doing the calling. And then how do we know that God will be faithful? Uh, it's going to take a lot of time, and it's going to be day by day and moment by moment that we get to see that faithfulness revealed because we are the ones who are fickle, not him. It is us over time who gets to see that. So, so let, let's unpack that a little bit more. Okay, so the first point here, the power of the call. Uh, what makes this significant is that God is the one doing the calling. We get to see in the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1, the, the call to Adam and Eve is be fruitful and multiply. This is the direction they're giving. G- given. God gives the same exact call to Abraham, and he says the difference here this time is I am going to be with you. I'm going to be moving with you throughout the entire promise. I'm not going to abandon you. This is really powerful stuff. In Hebrews 11, we get to see this, uh, that Abraham had faith for something that he could not see. He's promised your generations will be countless like the sand on the seashore. And do you know how many children Abraham gets to witness? One. He might go, God, I don't mean to be rude here, but I think we have a misunderstanding on the promise. We are those children. We are those children. How? Because we were born into it? Because of our bloodline? Or because Jesus adopted us. Because Jesus calls us his own. We are scattered amongst the world and numerous like the sand of the shore. One of the beautiful things about the connection here to Jesus is that he offers the same language that God does. God says, I am with you. Jesus says, lo, for I am with you to the very end of the age. He says this to his disciples before he departs. And then he departs. Wait, what? 
So are you here or are you not? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Though we might not get it, it is still true. How complicated is that? Does that not feel like this? Because both of these feel true, right? This is the truth. This is the truth, that Jesus is with us. That's the power of the call. Now, here's the second point the radical nature of the call, that this is incredibly countercultural. In, in chapter 12, verse uh, 1, go and, uh, and leave your land. And the, the name of his land here is, is a really cool name, Ur. <laughs> it just kind of sounds like he forgot. <laughs> Where are you from? Ur. Oh, cool, cool. Go and leave your land. This is leaving the things that you're familiar with, the family that you know, the, the way of life that you depend on and that, and that you are understanding of. Ditch all that and follow a voice of one you cannot see, but you will depend on. How scary is that? And that we are called into the same thing. I love this uh, when Jesus meets someone and he says, uh, hey, your, your son is healed. And he goes, oh my gosh, help my unbelief. Jesus didn't show up anywhere. He didn't put his hands on anybody. He just said, your son is healed. Help my unbelief. This is my mantra. I'm so glad this is in the Bible because now I can say it and not feel so embarrassed. Help my unbelief. One of the things that, that we will get to that is just like I'm like still struggling with is the way that we see this unbelief countered is when we go to, to God in prayer and then we see his answers. Typically don't show up in the next one to two days, but over a generation, Abraham doesn't get his promise fulfilled for 26 years. I'm praying for a son or daughter. It's a son, though. I, I know the answer is a son. I'm praying for a son in my life, and that prayer was not answered five years later. Where in the midst of those five years, it didn't feel like, oh, this will get fulfilled one day. It was, will this be fulfilled? Is this the journey that God has for me? That's incredibly scary and lonely and heartbreaking and then joyful at the end. How do we find joy when, it, when, it's, when our prayer isn't answered or the answer is what we wanted? Well, well, God still redeems our story, even if you're given what you're asking for. That's incredibly difficult to be. How do we receive this call? This is the last point here. We have the power of the call. It's from God. We have the radical nature of the call that it's countercultural. And then how do we receive this call? It's day by day, it's moment by moment. And that we'll get to see as we move through the chapters of Genesis, Abraham is incredibly unfaithful and broken. And we get to go, whew, because that's me. I can see myself in Abraham because sometimes I want to take control. I've got some, some pretty good plans that God should take a look at and get some advice from. But instead, God is still faithful to Abraham even when he messes up. Trusting God uh, is very similar to the way that maybe when you were a kid, 
your parent reached out and said, hey, you're not crossing the street without me holding your hand, and you swatted that hand away. That's kind of like our relationship with God. He's still reaching out for us, even though we're kind of swatting away. As God says to Abraham, I will lead you to the promised land, we hear that same language from Jesus, come and follow me. I will take unlikely people, and I will show you a better way. I will give you love and forgiveness that you probably have never experienced before. And then he does. As we move here into a time of ashes, we're going to mark ourselves with ashes. But we get to recognize, like Abraham, that this is a turning point in our lives. That when, when God reaches out and says, I am with you, we get to trust and believe that. That when we mark ourselves with ashes, we get to see this as a turning point of my sin is not my definition. One of the things that enters into the world when Adam and Eve go through the fall is shame. They hid themselves because they were ashamed and they used the fig leaves. Shame does this. You are bad. I am bad because I've messed up. Instead, what we can change that language to is embarrassment. That doesn't say I am bad, but I am actually good, and the thing I did was bad. And we, get to, we get to separate our identity from the things that we've done. Jesus does this for us. He calls us his own, and he says, you are mine. You are not bad. You are redeemed. That's a much different identity, right? This is the identity that we get to cover ourselves with as we come up and receive ashes. So let's move into that time now. I'm going to invite Mark up here. We'll have two sides. Feel free to come to whichever side you'd like. Mark is offering the darker cross, so if that's your preference. And we're going to, we're going to say these words over you. To dust you are, to dust you shall return. We get to hear those words first spoken by God in the first chapter of Genesis, where he, where he makes Adam out of the ground, out of the clay, out of the ash. And the only thing that makes him not clay is God's breath. To dust you are, to dust you shall return. You are dust. We are dust. Until God has breathed life into us. And he does. He breathes life into us every day. New creation. And that we get to live in the kingdom that is both here and not yet. Welcome to a wonderful mystery. That we get to mark ourselves and say, to dust you are, and to dust you shall return. When you're ready, go ahead and come up.